This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus Chat, keeping your eyes healthy in the new year. If this is your first time in a Bright Focus Chat, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let me tell you briefly about Bright Focus Foundation and what we'll do today. Bright Focus funds some of the top researchers in the world. We support scientists who are trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's disease. We share the latest news from these scientists with families that are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications and plenty of materials on our website, brightfocus.org, that offer tips for living with diseases such as macular degeneration. Today's Bright Focus chat is another way of sharing this. We turn to today's topic and today's guest of keeping your eyes healthy in the new year. We're recording this on January 31st, so uh, most of us are still hanging on to some of our New Year's resolutions, and we're thinking if one of your New Year's resolutions was to improve your health and, and stay healthy, uh, it'd be a great time to talk about how to keep your eyes healthy during the New Year. We have a great guest today who can help us with that. It's Dr. Gayatri Riley from the Retina Group of Washington. She'll talk about uh, macular degeneration and what we can all do to keep our eyes as healthy as they can be. So Dr. Riley, we've been fortunate to have you uh, on, a, on Bright Focus Chats before, and you've been very helpful and informative, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to the call. And I was wondering if you could start off just telling us a little bit about what you do at the Retina Group Washington and what uh, what motivated you to, to um, get into this line of work. Well, thanks again for asking me back. I've, I've always enjoyed these uh, talks. Um, yeah, I've been now with the Retina Group for, this is starting my fifth year. Um, I, being involved in patients' vision is is ultimately what made me go into the field. Um, there's not many things that we we can you know value more than our sight and the ability to sort of impact uh, people and kind of be part of their journey along the way and hopefully um, educate as many people as well has been something that's been really important to me. Um, retina as a as a subspecialty in ophthalmology is actually fairly unique in, in that it's also a, a surgical um, subspecialty where you can very acutely um, save vision. And, and ultimately, that's what it's always been about, trying to help people and uh, help vision and, and try to help as many people as possible. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. And I really, uh, you know, just thank you for your for your commitment to, to what you do. And it's something that, that's where our research and our public education materials at Bright Focus, we really want to uh, help people with uh, with healthy aging to let let them know that that while there's certainly challenges, there's a lot of a lot of things that that people can do. And so, I wanted to start off there, Dr. Riley, with just a very basic question: uh, What can someone do to keep their eyes as healthy as possible? Well, just like you started off in saying, a, a lot of us do have our New Year's resolutions on our on our mind, and and the first thing I, I usually recommend is is the first step would be um, getting an eye exam. So, you know, too often we're, we're taking care of loved ones, we're taking care of parents and, and our kids, and, and you start to not take care of yourself as much as, as you can. And the first step would be just uh, to see your uh, optometrist or ophthalmologist and, and start with a basic eye exam and make sure that, you know, there are no early signs of things like cataracts or glaucoma or macular degeneration because with all of these conditions, early detection is, is truly key. And a lot of the earliest signs of these diseases are asymptomatic. And, and you may not know that there's 
um, anything going on and sometimes being able to, you know, take it upon yourself and, and take care of yourself by um, getting an eye exam would be the, the first start to it. Well, great. Thank you. Uh, first question we have today is uh, Jeanette from from New York is wondering, is there a connection between um, too much iron in the blood and macular degeneration? Um, you know, for uh, there's a lot of conditions in the body that um, are not completely proven to um, accelerate or cause macular degeneration. Uh, too much iron has not been um, associated with macular degeneration, to my knowledge. But in general, too much iron can cause other retinal problems. Um, so it's generally something that your primary care physician wants to treat and manage. Um, but as far as macular degeneration specifically, uh, it's not known to uh, be a risk factor. Okay. Well, thanks for thanks for clarifying that. We have two similar questions. Uh, Marilyn from Oregon is wondering about some over-the-counter um, uh, pain medications such as such as um, uh, ibuprofen and, and Tylenol, other things that that a lot of us uh, take with some you know some regularity. Uh, then we also have a question wondering about uh, Claritin, the the, uh, the 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 allergy medicines. So I was wondering if you just comment about you know pain relievers and allergy uh, meds and things like that. Do they have positive or negative impact on on vision health? And what should what should we be uh, uh, concerned about or not concerned about? Well, that's a great question. So first, you know, even all of these over-the-counter medications, you, you want to be making sure you need to be taking these medications. Um, you know, too often we think that because they're available over-the-counter that they are safe and you can take them, you know, just as prescribed every four to six hours is what it says on the bottle. But sometimes, um, you know, you, you can have long-term effects from that. In general, um, ibuprofen, aspirin, these medications have been studied and um, don't tend to cause any problems specifically with the eyes. Allergy medications, though, can. Um, the problem with allergy medications, particularly antihistamines, is that the way they work is to help to dry everything. So traditionally, we're tearing a lot or sneezing or having a lot of congestion. So the idea with a lot of antihistamines is to decrease that. And one of the side effects of that would be dry eye. And that's one of the conditions that uh, many, many patients uh, suffer with is, is dry eyes. And something as simple as over, in an over-the-counter medication can significantly worsen that. Hmm. No, it's interesting. I know that, that you and I being in the, the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area where the, the seasonal allergies can just be, be crushing, that's really good good uh, good advice to, to, to let us know about the with the antihistamines. Um, we have a, a question from Richard in Illinois. Um, there's people in his family that, that have alcoholism. Is there any... Uh, uh, Connection or any any concerns that that um, uh, people with alcoholism should have regarding a, a macular degeneration or other type of vision health. Um, excess alcohol can cause uh, damage to the eye, specifically um, the optic nerve, and not traditionally related to macular degeneration. But um, the optic nerve is the nerve that connects your eye to the brain and is basically the power cord to the eye. And, and that is extremely important for your ability to see and, and excess alcohol or excess tobacco use uh, can cause damage to the optic nerve. Well, thank you. 
Uh, we have two very similar questions about the link between uh, macular degeneration and glaucoma. Um, uh, both two callers are wondering, are the two diseases related, glaucoma and macular degeneration? The, the, the only true connection between the two is that they both are associated with uh, increasing age. Um, they otherwise are, are completely um, separate conditions, and having one does not cause you to have an increased risk in developing the other. Very frequently, all of these conditions, macular degeneration, glaucoma, cataracts, these are all things you hear about as you get older, and they are easily confused between them. But um, having glaucoma, for example, does not put you at increased risk for developing macular degeneration or, or vice versa. That's great. I have two two kind of follow-up questions on that. Can someone have both glaucoma and macular degeneration at the same time? Absolutely. So glaucoma um, traditionally is is damage to the optic nerve of what we just talked about earlier. Um, and macular degeneration is, is damage to the macula, the very central portion of your vision. Um, and there are definitely many patients who have both conditions and both conditions need follow-up and evaluations and treatment. What are some of the warning signs for glaucoma? Glaucoma is another one that this is where screening and, and having yearly eye exams are, are so important because, unfortunately, glaucoma really doesn't have symptoms until there's already been damage done. Um, traditionally, you don't notice your peripheral visual field, which is what glaucoma ultimately damage, um, being affected until it's very late. So um, most patients have no idea, have no symptoms, are seeing well, doing well. They would not be symptomatic if their intraocular pressures are elevated. They would not be symptomatic if um, their visual fields are compromised until there's already been a significant amount of permanent damage. So that's another reason why uh, getting an eye exam and having your um, eye physician and optometrist you know, evaluate and check your eye pressure and, and look at your optic nerves to, to make sure you don't have any risk factors or um, any signs of it already. Well, thank you. And kind of one more question about kind of maybe people that may have more than one age-related disease. Um, uh, you know, as you know, Dr. Riley at Bright Focus, we, we work a lot on, on Alzheimer's disease, funding research um, around the world on that and, and sharing information. Do you have any advice if... if um, someone uh, is showing some form of, of cognitive decline, some, some form of dementia, uh, what happens to, to their vision? Like how, how can a family uh, member help that person who may be uh, heading into dementia continue to, um, to keep their eyes healthy? It would seem like a very daunting situation. I'm just wondering sort of your advice as a, as a clinician um, for families that, that, that may have that. Um, yeah, I would recommend that to not overlook the eyes because actually it's been it's it's been seen very commonly that um, having advanced cataracts actually accelerates uh, dementia because the patient's not seeing very well. Um, taking away that ability to to see well actually influences their mental health and. Um, something as simple as cataract surgery uh, can, can be life-changing in these patients. So um, a lot of times we are focused and understandably on, on one problem, but um, it's, I definitely think it's important not to overlook 
the bigger picture and making sure that there isn't anything that might be able to help their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Great. And any um, any advice for families that that may bring a per, uh, a, a person with dementia in for uh, in for a comprehensive eye exam? Any any suggestions on how to make that go as um, as smoothly yeah. as possible? I do. I usually recommend, you know, most for most patients, there's there's usually a time in the day that's that's best for them. You know, it may not be the eight o'clock appointment in the morning, or it, it may not be, you know, at the end of the day. There's usually a period in the day when when that patient's sort of at their best, and and I highly recommend bringing the patient in during that time. And you know it, it's it's hard on the family. It's also hard on on the patients because sometimes these visits can be a little bit long and and it becomes really hard. But keeping them in the window of the time that they you know seem to to process things and be most involved with is really important. So I not infrequently have um, patients reschedule their appointment for a different time, not because um, anything that they did, but that just because it's it's a better time for them to be participating in in the exam and understanding what's happening. Well, that's good advice. I think that that uh, applies to applies to a, a lot of people to try to schedule something challenging at at the at the optimal time. Um, uh, Doctor, I want to turn to some lifestyle issues such as um, uh, diet and exercise. Um, starting first with with exercise. Um, does exercise, you know, we all can think about, you know, weight and uh, blood pressure and cardiovascular health. Uh, are there exercise benefits? Are, are there? Does exercise benefit um, vision health? Exercise is definitely helpful. Um, besides all of the mental benefits you have from exercise, just coming down on a, a physical level, um, being obese or overweight. Uh, is very inflammatory on the body, and um, inflammation in the eyes is also affected as well. So when we look at things like macular degeneration, these are certainly less studied than traditional risk factors, but we know that obesity, hypertension, cardiovascular um, risk factors all play a role in macular degeneration because all of these things are inflammatory to the body, which in turn is inflammatory to the eye. Now, in terms of in terms of exercise, is there a distinction between uh, the vigor, the aerobic nature of it, such as such as walking versus something uh, more more aerobic? Um, uh, is there any does that make an impact on on vision health? Not traditionally, I mean, I really encourage patients to to do what they can do. You know, as we get older, our joints are more affected, so you may not be able to, you know, run a mile, but you certainly can walk you know, a block or two, um, you know, there's there's no, you know, studies or anything supporting that you, you have to make this a very high impact, um, you know, aerobic workout in order to just improve the body. Yeah. So a lot of things simple as yoga and stretching and um, lower impact steady state exercise is just as helpful. And, and in some ways, it might be even more beneficial in the sense of is of it being you know just less harsh on the body overall. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good, good, good advice for all ages to to do to do the best you can. And kind of related to exercise is diet. Um, I know you, you and, and others on Bright Focus Jets have, have talked about the, um, the 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 strong connection between uh, diet and, and vision health and. 
we often get questions, got a number of them today, about specific types of food. Um, somebody wrote in asking about uh, spinach, uh, if that's good. And I can you just sort of give a sense of the overall, um, what type of diet, what type of uh, foods are best for vision health? Sure. So for um, overall vision, particularly the macula, green leafy vegetables are, are really key. So spinach is great, kale is great. You know, basically, if it's green, it's good for your eyes. Um, we know that it's not just a, you know, a cartoon, but the carotenoids in carrots are also very beneficial to the eye as well. Um, if we are able to improve our diet and have um, these green leafy vegetables and incorporating seafood in our diet, all of these things um, play a big role for eye health. And in fact, all the supplements that we recommend for patients, if they're having it in their diet, they traditionally actually probably don't need these supplements. It's just that unfortunately, you know, most of us don't have as much, um, you know, vegetables and, and things as, as we'd like to. Understandable. So, Dr. Riley, I know um, you've talked in the past about something called AREDS, A-R-E-D-S. Uh, could you uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, and how it's good for people's vision? Sure. So, the AREDS vitamins um, stem from a, a clinical trial that uh, started back in 2000 looking at uh, supplements, vitamin C, E, vitamin A, uh, zinc, uh, to see if that could help um, decrease the risk of developing more advanced forms of macular degeneration. Um, and then even more recently, a second clinical trial, the ARIDS-2 trial, um, looked at that even further and basically found that having vitamin C, E, some um, antioxidants like lutein and zeaxanthine and zinc are really key and decrease the risk of progression to wet macular degeneration, a more severe form of macular degeneration by about 25%. Um, and this this was really key because for a lot of patients who have dry macular degeneration, one of the, the questions I get most often is, is what can I do? Um, and that's the, the first thing I mention is, you know, um, diet and 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 thinking about taking these vitamins, Dr. Riley, you mentioned that AREDS two came from uh, came out of clinical trials, and I want to turn to that briefly. We have uh, Dottie from Pennsylvania had a question about how does one find a clinical trial, and Dr. Riley, I was wondering in answering Dottie's question, would, would you mind elaborating a little bit, uh, a little larger about what a clinical trial is and why it's important, and what should people know about or ask their their uh, their physician about in terms of clinical trials? I I really support clinical trials. Um, I think clinical trials, just in general, are, are a great way of answering a question and changing treatment for the future. So, the most important thing I would first recommend, though, is where are you hearing about this clinical trial from? So, you know, if your physician is talking to you about the trial, that that's really important. Um, you want to have some questions ready for uh, for your physician as to, you know, why are they recommending this clinical trial? What, you know, what benefit would they potentially have in in the clinical trial? The hard part about clinical trials is that there are different. Um, different phases of clinical trials. So um, that's also important for a patient to understand how far along in this clinical trial process is this 
is this particular clinical trial? So have, has the safety and um, has, has that been determined to be safe for the patient? Um, is there any preliminary data in terms of is it beneficial? Um, and, and being sort of involved in, you know, knowing um, the previous trial's results and, and kind of being involved all along the way is really important. Um, I don't know if you had heard, but last year, unfortunately, there was a, a sort of a, a a problem in Florida with um, a trial in um, where where patients had learned about a trial from the internet, and they were unfortunately blinded by um, a, a treatment that was sort of an unproven, not truly a clinical trial. And that's why I said kind of starting off and trying to figure out where are you getting this information from is really important. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think it's it's both both encouraging to see the value of trials, but also the the the, the cautions and and also the Bright Focus website has trial finders that um that only include ones that are um you know officially deemed to be uh, deemed to be safe and appropriate, and um, appreciate that. And kind of, we've got Dr. Ray. I've got a few questions about eye drops. Somebody wrote in about PRP, like Paul Revere, Paul PRP eye drops. I was wondering, you know, they're wondering what you what you think of that as far as macular degeneration and keeping your eyes healthy. Um, so uh, PRP stands for platelet-rich. Uh, plasma eye drops, and that's meant to be as a treatment for dry eye. Um, and it's my understanding, I don't use it as a as a retina specialist, but there are many patients who, who benefit from um, basically having plasma-rich, uh, platelet-rich plasma for dry eye therapy, but it's not, it's not used for macular degeneration. And earlier, a few minutes ago, you mentioned... Um, the concern that dry AMD could become wet AMD. I was wondering if you could uh, kind of give our listeners some sense of what to, what to look out for. Uh, you know, if if one's vision is, is is moving in that direction, there are there ways to that you can monitor that yourself. Or how, how does one uh, keep a uh, keep a close watch on on that? Definitely. So hopefully, um, your eye care physician has has given uh, you an Amsler grid, which is a basically a, a small grid that's like a graph paper of um, straight lines that should always remain straight. So an Amsler grid is the basic, we've had this for decades and, and kind of time-tested and, and proven to um, try to detect any abnormalities where sh- the straight lines appear wavy or they appear distorted or they appear dark um, with testing. So I tell my patients just to keep a grid on their refrigerator and, you know, the next time that they're going towards the refrigerator, you test each eye and just make sure that there's no changes. If there's any signs of distortion, waviness, darkness, to contact their physician right away. Um, The second thing that is more recent is called a, a 4C home monitoring device, which is a little bit more uh, time-consuming, only takes about three minutes to do per eye, but it's um, a test where it tries to assess that there's um, any changes to your macula even even before something that you would even detect, um, which is 
which is really terrific. And and this uh, home monitoring device was able to um, detect a change towards wet macular degeneration before patients were even symptomatic of. So those two things are are really important. And just generalized, you know, awareness that um, a lot of times I find that patients uh, say that, you know, I've had this symptom for a while. I just thought it would go away. And um, I really encourage patients that if you're noticing a change, to at least call the office, try to try to talk through with somebody to see if if this is you know something that they should be concerned about. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. And, and the 4C uh, home monitor that sounds really uh, really interesting. Really a, a great step forward. Is do you know if something like that is covered by Medicare? So it is now covered by Medicare, um, which is a lot of work and a lot of time and um and it ended up making so much sense for um Medicare to want to be part of it because what it does is it detects wet macular degeneration early and we know just clinically that the earlier you detect macular degeneration um the the more vision you preserve the less treatment you need um and it, and it's truly vision saving and um for the past now I want to say maybe two two years or so, Medicare has been very supportive and, and reimburses uh, for the home monitoring device. Well, that, that, that's good to know. So we have about five more minutes left, and Dr. Riley, I just have a, a couple more questions before we wrap up. We have a few callers today that are interested in um, learning more about family history or, or genetics. Um, for example, um, I guess kind of, kind of a two parallel questions, uh, is AMD? Uh, hereditary, and then also, is there a hereditary uh, connection? You know, with, with families that have um, high blood pressure, um, and does the high blood pressure uh, uh, tendency affect AMD in a family, and also just AMD itself? Is that is that something that's that's genetic? Yes. So AMD is highly genetic, and that's something we are learning more and more about because just in terms of generalized medicine, gene therapy and um, understanding the genetics for all of all of the major diseases has really changed over the past, you know, five years or so. Um, we do, or we, we have identified the major um, genes implicated in macular degeneration. Um, and there are even genetic tests available uh, for patients. But the, the key is going to be just knowing your own family, too. Um, sometimes we don't ask the, these questions because we just don't know. Um, and I think it's really important to just to see if they may not have a, a known diagnosis, but sometimes, you know, you know, the great-grandmother might have um, been blind and, you know, trying to figure out why or just asking some questions as to, you know, why did why did she lose vision when she was 90 um, and, and things like that. So it's really important to know. And I also counsel my patients that when they do have a diagnosis of macular degeneration to involve their children because um, it doesn't mean that they will develop it, but it does increase their risk and um, increasing their screening and making sure that they're aware of it is really important. The second part of the question um, about hypertension and AMD, again, that kind of goes back to the earlier talk of of sort of how, you know, hypertension can affect a a lot of different organs in the body, but but not specifically. It's not going to be a direct causal effect um, for macular degeneration. Thank you. Just a a couple kind of uh, uh, final questions, a sort of a little little disparate. Um, 
Talk about uh, uh, sunglasses and particularly driving in the winter. It seems, depending on where you live, like the, the sun can be awfully low low in the sky. You can get a glare from, from, from snow and ice. Um, any uh, tips on, on, you know, I assume that you should wear sunglasses, but, you know, more specifically, any, any type of specific type of sunglasses that you'd help, particularly during this, during this winter time of year? You want to make sure that your sunglasses block UVA and UVB rays. Um, those are the harmful rays that the sun emits year-round. Um, and even if it's you know a cloudy day, I still encourage patients to uh, wear sunglasses because the sun can still um, you know still still have UVA and UVB rays. Um, in general. Um, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to to find these kinds of sunglasses. They don't have to be polarized or anything. You just you just need to block the UVA and UVB light. Well, great. And and kind of the last question before we start uh, kind of wrapping up with final thoughts. Um, keeping with the New Year's Eve theme, a lot of us probably had a ton of sweets over over the holidays and. Um, Probably trying to have fewer sweets now in the new year. Uh, is there an is there a connection between uh, sugar and vision health? Definitely, uh, particularly if you're diabetic. Of course, um, you're more sensitive to having larger swings in blood sugar. For most of us who are not diabetic, our body is able to regulate our um, blood sugar levels to not have huge spikes or either in either direction, too high or too low. But in diabetics, their regulation is, is more dependent on medications and, you know, insulin, and it's harder for them to um, keep their blood sugars consistent throughout the day. And we know that if you have high spikes of um, blood sugars, you know, into the 300s or 400s, it, it definitely causes you to uh, have decreased vision. The lens inside the eye actually physically gets swollen, and wow. it, you're not able to see as well because because of that. Well, that's good. Good, good to know as we try to uh, make keep the sweets a little little more manageable than than over the holidays. And Dr. Riley, I just really appreciate your generosity. You've been amazingly helpful and, and particularly clear and and easy to follow. And I think you've given given a lot of us some 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 helpful advice to have a healthier a healthier 2018. And so I just wanted to conclude. Do you have any uh, sort of big picture? Uh, advice, or from you know your perspective as the as the physician, is there a recurring myth or mis misperception that you'd like to uh, to to clear up about macular degeneration and vision health? So just wondering if you had any sort of final thoughts about all this. Sure. Um, well, again, thanks again for having me. Um, I think with macular degeneration, uh, so much has changed, fortunately, for the better over the past 15 years. Um, back in 2000, we didn't have any good treatments for wet macular degeneration, and a lot of times patients still think back that, you know, you know, maybe their mom went blind because of macular degeneration, and that's really actually not the norm anymore. Um, now we have very good treatments. Um, we're able to maintain and actually improve vision in many patients. And being afraid of a diagnosis is, uh, such as macular degeneration is understandable. But um, between the research and clinical trials, we have really strong treatment that can that can preserve vision. And I have you know many many patients who um, are still 2025, 20. 30 with excellent vision are very functional or driving and independent and um and and that's because 
you know, of early detection. And so I, I highly recommend, you know, yearly eye exams and, and ask questions. It, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to just ask, do I have any signs of, you know, X, Y, or Z because I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's great advice. It keeps us informed and and inspired uh, throughout 2018 to to uh, to do the best we can with our vision health. So, to our listeners, I just want to thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. We hope that this chat was helpful, and uh, I'd encourage you to contact Bright Focus um, if if there's anything we can do to be of assistance. And Dr. Riley, thank you very much for returning to a Bright Focus chat. Um, we hope that you can. Uh, come back and we can have a similar conversation in the future. So again, just thank you very much, Dr. Riley. Thank you. All right. So on behalf of Bright Focus Foundation, this concludes today's Bright Focus chat, and thank you very much for joining us. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.